This is the Pro-America Report on The Answer, San Diego. Welcome, welcome, welcome. Ed Martin here on the Pro-America Report. You know, on uh, last week, the last segment of last week, I sort of ranted a bit, and I hope you had a great weekend. I hope everybody had a, a wonderful time with family and friends. Uh, maybe you had to work or other things, but I'm I'm in a bad mood again. I'm in a bad mood. We got great guests. Ted Malik will be here in a minute. Conrad Black, Lord Black will be with us. But I have to tell you, um, we're in big trouble right now. But it's not because the Congress is spending trillions we don't have. That's a problem. It's not because that's not the problem. It's not because the uh, uh, president of the United States is uh, out to lunch and uh, and not paying attention and the uh, bureaucrats and the lefties are running everything. It's not any of that. It's because we refuse to understand exactly what's happening. If you've been listening to this program and you go to ProAmericaReport.com, ProAmericaReport.com, you can go listen to last week's interview with Todd Benzman of the Center for Immigration Studies. It's now breaking all over what he told us last week. Over 200,000 people came in last month alone over the border, and that's just who they detained. That's just who they caught. A bunch of other people got through without being uh, caught. In other words, it's just who they were able to uh, forget the apprehension. That's the term. It's the apprehension numbers. But, you know, what we what we saw in France over the weekend is there was a story that a Catholic priest was murdered. Catholic priest targeted and murdered. And the murderer is a Rwandan refugee who was involved in a fire at one of the cathedrals in France just about a year ago. So we have people that are actually burning down churches, not getting enough jail time, and are uh, are actually then free, and they just, this guy killed a priest, a Catholic priest. Now, that would be bad enough, except that if you listen closely, you'll hear people say, the problem in Europe of migration, it's actually a wave of people over the last 20 years especially, and they can't control it. And the people that are coming, it's the Islamification, actually, of Europe. But it's also just the lack of ability for people to become part of the community. So we have this happening in Europe. We see it happening in Europe ahead of us. And here in America, we're watching. And and over the weekend, what got me on this story, it got me to put these two together. Did you see the video of the Antifa thugs who disrupted a Christian prayer service in a Portland park, Portland, Oregon. And they, so it's Antifa, black hoods, black, um, massive black, uh, uh, shields, outfits in black. They went up and there was just some Christians praying a prayer service in a park. I don't know what church it was, non-denominational Christians. I don't know. They were, I think they were praying and it was a scheduled event, kind of a family function on a little bit of a, of a, a stage set in this park. And the Antifa people came in, thugs, criminals, barbarians, and they pushed around the people who were praying and singing and reading scripture, and they, they, they trashed their speakers, and they knocked over their tables, and they just went wild, and nobody did anything. And had they done anything, had, say, the Christians decided to fight back instead of basically turning the other cheek and walking away, which is probably the right thing to do, but had they fought back, the Antifa thugs were geared up, like thugs are, to battle, 
And the Christians were armed with just the word of the Lord, which is good enough, but it also can be painful. And they, their judgment was that they walked away and they trashed everything. The Antifa people trashed everything. No cops, no repercussions, nothing. And they were clearly targeted because they were in this park and they were Christians. Now, you could tell me, well, Ed, did they say anything about being anti-Christian? It doesn't matter. The guy that murdered the priest in uh, in, in France and, and burned a church, he doesn't have to say he's anti-Catholic, anti-anything. He's just living out the conduct that is destructive. And so we have a situation where if you have firmly held beliefs about, say, the vaccine or your children and the vaccine, you will be pillared, you will be mocked, you will be targeted. And then the law enforcement in the community will, will not stop when they see Antifa trashing a religious gathering. Can you imagine in America? Now, my point here is we're not sliding down the slippery slope. We're bottomed out here. And the idea that it's not national news. And, you know, over the weekend, I thought I was going to talk about the fact that there was a nice young woman, I don't know, 30 years old or younger, a a Chicago cop who was murdered in her car. She just come back from maternity leave, has a two month old baby, and she's murdered, shot in the head by some thug. And and the mayor of Chicago is blaming everybody else but herself. And and by the way, the woman that was murdered, the cop, her partner is uh, holding on barely alive, too. He was also shot. So we got barbarians around us. And Where's the outrage? Where's Joe Biden holding a press conference saying we can't have our people, our cops being killed? Instead, on the Sunday talk shows, Cori Bush, the far left, radical Black Lives Matter supporting congresswoman from my home state of Missouri, was on all the talk. Well, I don't know if she's on all. She's on one of the major talk shows. I'm not sure if she was on all of them. But she's a star because why? Because she camped out on the Capitol steps and she said, I was once evicted, so we have to protect evictions. She was basically saying in the light of all that, and still she was admitting she had private security because she was so famous, but she said, we have to defund the police. So we have a situation where truly, I'm sorry, I'm tired. It's early in the week, but I'm tired. Truly the fabric of the country, our nation is being torn apart. You cannot have a nation where an American nation where you have the people in the nation being targeted because they're cops, because they're Christians, and you cannot stop the lawlessness. It's bad enough to read about it in France. I'm terrified for the French. It's bad enough to hear about it from friends in other parts of Europe. But the idea that in America, where we've had always had freedom of religion, always had a freedom of association, always had respect for the rule of law and therefore law enforcement, always had trust in our institutions. It's it's just disappearing faster than anybody could have imagined it. You know, about a month ago, we had an intern start in my office here in Washington, D.C. And a young guy's in, my, he's in undergrad. He said, I think he's going to be a senior. Yeah, senior, senior. And I gave him a copy of The Camp of the Saints, the book by Jean, Jean Raspail. Raspail, I'm not sure how you say it. I'm never good at any French. I studied French when I was in sixth and fifth and sixth grade or so. And the book is basically about the onslaught, an imaginary book written in the 70s, a fictional uh, de- uh, depiction of an invasion of Europe by a ship, a big mess. I think a few of them, three or four ships coming from uh, from India. And more importantly, when you, the camp of the saints has taken on a, a life of its own as a work, basically describing what happens when your uh, culture is inundated by people that won't, don't assimilate. 
And by the way, I said this on an interview today. I did an interview on TV. I said, I don't blame the people who come to America who don't assimilate. I don't blame them. In other words, I don't hold them blameworthy for it. But the system that they're coming into, when it's a failed education system, when it's a failed system that uh, demands uh, that you participate in such a way, learn the language, be here. No surprise that they stay atomized and stay distant. And more importantly, what's happened and so fast that the American people are willing to accept cops killed in, in, in Chicago, cops murdered, a cop murdered, another one shot in the head. And, and then the law enforcement can't stop in daylight, not at night. It wasn't a midnight prayer service. It was in daylight. They can't stop Antifa from destroying the, the property of people who are worshiping. This is, it's beyond the pale. It's beyond the pale. And meanwhile, the borders are are wide open and being overrun. And we're being lectured on masks and we're being lectured on variants. And nobody is trying to hold the country together in terms of the border and law enforcement. Well, I don't mean nobody. People are, but it doesn't look good. doesn't feel good. So you're going to worry about the Delta variant and not the border. You're going to worry about the, the, the vaccine and not cop killers. You're going to worry about, about freedom of worship being denied and instead lecture us on masks, double masks, triple masks. I, you've heard me. I'm not, I'm not someone who denies science. I'm not someone who even says it's nothing. But at a certain point, whatever is happening, it's not about the sickness in, in, the, in the hospitals or in the medical sense. It's a sickness in America. All right, we got to take a break. It's the Pro-America Report. Go over and listen to those interviews. Todd Benzman last week. We'll come back and talk with Ted Malik as well as our old friend, Lord Conrad Black. Be right back. It's Ed Martin here on the Pro-America Report. Back in a moment. Welcome back. Ed Martin here on the Pro-America Report. It's time to check in with our old friend, Ted Malik. And uh, Ted has a piece that he ran... Uh, uh, that it ran, uh, and I, as soon as I saw it, I said, I have to talk about this with him because it's about Fox News and what's happening at Fox News. So, first of all, welcome, Ted. How are you? Uh, good to talk to you, Ed. And I do have to uh, admit as a caveat at the beginning that I have appeared many times on Fox News. I knew you had, and of course, I know, everyone would know that that's seen Fox News. So here's my question before we get to um, some of the specifics of your column. Is this new or has Fox been sliding? In other words, most people have been saying, well, you know, Rupert Murdoch is kind of uh, who he was and his sons and all. I mean, is this a new problem or you just finally you're just finally naming it? I think it's a slippery slope, as we say in some theological uh, circles, and they have <laughs> slipped all the way down. So I'm suggesting, to be completely frank, not only is Fox no longer what it used to be, not by a very long shot, but it's not con- it's not a conservative news outlet. It's not an alternative to the you know lame mainstream fake news, and um, we should basically um, stop watching it, except for what I call the Tuckeresque stars. <laughs> That's right. I mean, there's a few exceptions. I guess uh, Tucker would be in there, obviously. And then also uh, Laura Ingram, I suppose, is pretty solid. But uh, but back to this, I, I have said for a long time that the um, the narrative machine is controlled by big tech, which is to the left, 
big media, which includes Fox News, because and and then I call mm-hmm. it big government. So those three drive the narrative. And and the problem is that Fox News's business model is to make people crazy, and so they they they've gotten good at that. But they're not actually even making them crazy on the right things. Now, as I say that, they have covered the border uh, problem in the last three days more than I noticed before. So maybe they're catching on. But walk me through uh, exactly what your critique is of Fox now. Well, my critique has numerous sides to it. Um, but I basically say that it's dopey lookalike blathering blondes has been inside the Beltway Politico's and babbling same old story libertarians don't amount to a legitimate conservative media outlet. They're certainly not genuinely informed journalists. And then I actually name names. Who's behind this? And the guy I point to, who has had an oversized uh, position, paid $7 million a year uh, at Fox for very mediocre skills and limited education, is one Neil Cavuto. Uh, And then Mm -hmm. I look at his pedigree. Mother was a globalist, worked for the United Nations. Father was a car salesman, attended a Catholic Franciscan school. And then interestingly, I found that Cavuta was employed at the Jimmy Carter White House. Did you hear that? He isn't even wow. a rhino. Yeah. He spent hmm. 15 years at PBS in New York, where he, uh, you know, basically, um, uh, I guess, honed his liberal uh, Skills. Skills, yeah. Uh, so yeah. He's, uh, he's an anti-globalist. He hates those who favor America first. He's tried repeatedly to fire people like Judge Jeanine Pirro, who I love. And he boosts the Sunday morning show host of Trump-bashing neoconservative warmonger Chris Wallace. Uh, his own shows, mm-hmm. I think. And, you know, nobody watches them. But um, he's not just a MAGA skeptic, is my point. He's a hardcore Trump hater. Uh, and that We're talking with Ted. Ma- yeah. Go ahead. Keep going. Sorry. Well, I was going to say, uh, if you needed evidence, evidence of this, besides what I'm saying, in February of 2020, President Trump dedicated 20 minutes. It was really a rant at his rally in Colorado Springs attacking one person, Neil Cabuto. <laughs> uh, I remember that actually. Now that you say it, we're talking with Ted Malik. His uh, his piece is over at America American Greatness amgreatness dot com. The problem at Fox News and this. Uh, th- so Ted, um, is it driven by the Murdochs, the next generation? Is it driven by uh, Paul Ryan, who sits on the board? I mean, one of the things about the, as you point out, the the they can be conservative, quote unquote, on some issues, say life issues. But on the main one right now, the main one that economically transforming the world, we have we have priests be a priest being killed in France after his killer, uh, well, reputed killer who handed himself turned himself in had burned a church last year. We have Antifa disrupting uh, church services. We've got immigration immigrants falling across the border. Is this the is it the Murdochs? Is it the Paul Ryan? Is it the globalist vision? I mean, is that what you're? I mean, and and frankly. What do you do? Because you name the other sources to go for news, but none of them have the reach, right? So what do you do? Well, you, you name two of the things that I focus on. One is James Murdoch, who is, uh, you know, the Scone's son. He spent $20 million to defeat President Trump. Um, that's what I would call fair and balanced. Uh, and then the <laughs> other thing is adding House Speaker Paul Ryan, uh, to the board of directors. And he was quoted after he was appointed 
as saying he wants to use that platform to, quote, scold Trump. So I, I basically hmm. say conservatives need to dump the network. I mean, and they basically have. So except for watching mm-hmm. some of these stars that I've mentioned, uh, I would say turn to Newsmax, turn to OANN, uh, look at some of the other uh, non-visual uh, conservative media, and uh, go off of the, the boring rhino, uh, Randy, and uh, Fox News. Uh, I mean, Trump said so himself in his final tweet. Uh, and one of his final tweets before he lost his account was against uh, Fox News. I said, pull the plug. Except for these few stars, and I love Tucker, um, Laura, and, and Sean. Get your news elsewhere. We're talking with uh, Ted Malik and Ted, but is the option? I mean, again, you've you've Ted Malik. Uh, you've written books about every corner of the globe. You've lived all over the world in international business. You've written a book on on your experience having been inside behind the curtain in all these globalist places, Davos and others. It, it, you know, you know media. The alternatives don't have the reach yet, right? So if you're shutting off from Fox News, I think one of the problems is people don't quite know. I know Newsmax is growing fast, I guess. I know One America News has done some. doesn't feel like they're stepping up. Well, I, I mean, their, their audience is growing, which would be a good indication. Uh, and, um, you know, I suggest people give them, quote, a chance. Uh, and I'm not saying that you never watch Fox again. I, will, I mean, my DVR is plugged in to watch Tucker every night. I couldn't go without it. Uh, but most right. of the stuff is bad. I mean, that is the network that called Arizona that hurt Trump in the election. And we now know who did that and how that happened. And they called Rupert Murdoch to get permission to do it. So, uh, I mean, th- this is not a network that is favorable to conservatives. I mean, the other thing is, how many libertarians can you have on one network? I, I, you know, there are like 2% of libertarians in the whole world, and Fox is like 94% libertarian. Uh, <laughs> we're talking uh, to Ted Malik. So, Ted, is the future one of those other networks? Is the future getting your news? I mean, as you point out, that people watch Tucker and Laura and Sean, and they're getting news other places. Is that the future? I mean, I, again, my my worry yeah. is um, there's no the alternative. You know, I've I became a big fan of Breitbart uh, dot com, uh, Breitbart News, a while ago, and I like checking them out. But even Breitbart seems to have sort of peaked in terms of how people turn to it. Well, I won't admit to that, but um, I I think (laughs) what younger people are doing, so this is an indication of the future, is they're streaming the things they want. So they might watch 10 minutes of one thing and then three minutes of something else, and then they get Tucker, you know, in a small dose, and that's the way the world spins in the future. Hmm. Well, and, and and then and social media, of course, the people they 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 line up behind the people that they trust on social media. That can be. Are you surprised that uh, Donald Trump hasn't found a way to be more present in social media than he has? You know, he sort of started he started doing a memos from his desk, and then there was talk yeah. of this uh, social media. It doesn't feel like he's been able to get out there very much. Are you surprised by that? Uh, slightly, there. You know, so it seems like fits and you know starts and stops and, you know, not sure of the strategy, I think they've made it extremely difficult for him. I mean, you would ban the former president of the United States from Facebook right. or Twitter when you allow the <laughs> Alacola and, you know, yeah. Castro-esque people on the same 
platform? I mean, it's patently absurd. Uh, yeah, so, you know, I, I think Trump's lieutenants are the ones probably to watch into the future. And I think we've talked mm-hmm. about this in the past. People like Ron DeSantis are picking up that mantle. Mm-hmm. All right. Ted Malik, thank you as always. I'll put it up on social media, American Greatness, amgreatness.com. Thanks, Ted. Uh, another great one. And uh, I think when you say it, as you said, you've been on Fox News uh, countless times. It's, it's uh, frankly more credible and more important. So thanks for doing it. Thanks. All right. We'll take a break, everybody. Be right back. Ed Martin here on the Pro-America Report. Back in a moment. Welcome back. Ed Martin here in the Pro-America Report. Our old friend Lord Conrad Black is with us. He is a famous as a financier for about 40-plus years, also was a leading newspaper publisher all across the world, from Australia to Chicago and everywhere in between, and a historian. has written a couple of authoritative biographies. I know Nixon, uh, Roosevelt, and has written a book on Trump. And he wrote a piece in the American, American Greatness, which was important to me because I needed somebody that I related to and sort of had some uh, gravitas to say what he said. And it's about Peggy Noonan and her column. And so welcome, uh, Lord Black. And, and, you know, you mentioned off the air, you've known Peggy Noonan for decades. I mean, it's just her writing on the subject of Trump. It's just, it's jumped the shark. Yeah. Look, I, I want to start by saying that she's been a loyal and good friend for many years. And it truly pains me to criticize her. I said nothing in my column disparaging her as a person. She's a wonderful person and a fine writer and and wrote beautiful speeches for President Reagan, uh, uh, among the greatest speeches of any president. Uh, But um, on this issue, she's one of these people who's just not rational about Trump. Now, what's particularly surprising in that is she saw early on in the nomination procedure in 2016 that, that Trump was onto something. He, she, I remember covering one of his speeches out in Long Island, and in the middle of you know, Long Island City or Mineola around there somewhere, and and, um, right. and and how it was a working class audience and how they related to him and how he spoke for them in a way that no other candidate in either party did at that time. She saw that, and she was reasonably balanced in her treatment of him as president until she just gradually veered off and became an outright Trump hater. And and um, it's too bad. But the, but the the real problem here is nothing. And the point I was trying to highlight in the piece you kindly mentioned is that the battle lines are now clearly drawn. One side says Trump's complaints about the election were the big lie. He was defeated. Uh, honestly, this um, January 6th commission of Pelosi's, which is obviously a complete scam, just a smear job, one of many that she's uh, promoted against the former president, uh, it, it has to be taken seriously, and it has to produce results that totally prevent Trump from ever running for public office again, because he is such a, an evil and terrible person. And the other side says it's a tainted election. There are 44 million uh, harvested or, or questionably mailed ballots floating around that couldn't be verified. Uh, rules changes supposedly to accommodate voting in the pandemic were not done constitutionally by the state legislatures as required. And, and, and it's a dubious election because of what went on in only six states. 44 states were clean as a whistle. 
uh, and and they say that in in Trump's own words, it was the crime of the century. Uh, so one side says it was a perfectly honest election, and the protests on January six was really an attempted insurrection, and Trump is evil and must never come back to public office. The other side says it was the crime of the century. Trump was robbed uh, on January six. He told his people who were justly annoyed because they felt their election was stolen uh, to be peaceful. He had nothing to do with uh, an invasion or trespass in the Capitol and was horrified at it. He'd offered 10,000 National Guardsmen three days before, and that was rejected, you know, to give assured protection. And that this is just another smear job, and they're trying to assassinate our president, and they won't get away with it. And, and, and I'm just disappointed that Peggy jumped on one side on that thing. We're talking. We're talking with Lord Conrad Black, and 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 Lord Black. One of the things I think I remember, she wrote this. I might be wrong, but she she about her book. She wrote the book, "What I Saw at the Revolution," a famous book on Reagan. And she actually later wrote, "We all came for the revolution to Washington, and nobody left." Now she went up to Manhattan, but everybody else. Her point was, they came and ran think tanks, they came and ran lobby shops, they came and stayed in office, and Reagan went away, moved on. And her point, I thought, and, and I still think, implied that the the corruption of of the sort of swamp the the you know the elite power structure well, it didn't just it doesn't just go to the Ted Kennedys of the world or Chris Dodds it goes to the you know to the other side too and and I often thought she had that perspective and yet when she writes this she's objecting to some of the things late in your piece again we're talking with Lord Black uh, uh, Lord Conrad Black you mentioned she thinks it's going to go back to the old Republican party it's it can't go back and I guess she just doesn't see that she fell in with the Bushes, you know. I mean, she was one of the Reaganites who actually, I mean, she didn't stay resident in Washington as chief speechwriter for, for George H.W. Bush, who succeeded President Reagan. But but she stayed in touch with them and was pro-Bush, and she wrote the odd speech for, for President Bush Sr. And, and so while she moved back to New York and was, has been a very successful columnist at the Journal and and off television as well. Um, she, she, she sort of made that jump and, and the Trump people, I'm talking about the sensible Trump people, which is most of them feel that, uh, after Reagan, President Bush senior was, was a, an honorable man who served the nation with distinction, but not a good party leader. He allowed the party to be split by Perot. That brought in the Clintons and that everything since then has just been effectively dissipating what Reagan did. And and there is some truth to that. That's a reasonable argument to make. And Trump was patching that back together. And Trump himself feels that he's the true continuator of Reagan. And there is some truth to that in the in the in the abstract. And and right. but I, it's not for me to mind read Peggy, but she sort of, as you say, she didn't she didn't have her time and leave. She straddled. And in straddling, she has now identified herself with the loser element of the Republican Party. I mean, the, the, the Republicans get great leaders, and they do brilliantly. Teddy Roosevelt, Dwight Eisenhower, Richard Nixon, whether people admit it or not, Ronald Reagan, and up to a point, Trump. Uh, they were all strong leaders, and they all accomplished a lot as president. And, and um, uh, But in between, you, you get people who can't beat the Democrats. Uh, and and uh, and are kind of followers, 
And with all respect to the Bushes, they're a distinguished family, but they're really sitting there saying, we'll do basically what the Democrats do, but we'll do it better. And, you know, the Democrats make better Democrats than the Republicans do. <laughs> uh, we're talking with Lord Conrad Black. And again, uh, Lord Black, your perspective as someone Canadian by birth, uh, member of the British House of Lords, uh, owned uh, and did business all over the world, Australia, America, um, the, the impact of Peggy Noonan's writing as a in Europe in the rest of the world in America i mean she's she is a scribe to uh the educated the elite i mean again i'm not i'm not i'm not i'm not making this she, the, she, the elites that are outside the, the country Ed. she's she's not ever cited outside oh, really? the country she uh, uh, she the she's a uh, you know, I, I agree that her influence is substantial in the United States. I agree with that. But she's not someone that foreigners know. Even Canadians don't know her. She's a very much huh, okay. America-centric person. I mean, she was known as a speechwriter for Reagan, and she's on American television. But I've never seen her on foreign television anywhere, and in Britain or Canada. And and uh, uh, I'm not, there's no put down of her. She's a, been very successful, and she's a wonderful person. But but she's really her influence is very considerable, but it's entirely in the U.S. Okay, that's well. That's interesting. I'm glad I asked you that. That's uh, all right. So, what's the future of a Peggy Noonan? Most of the people that get so avidly anti, uh, never Trump or anti Trumper, sort of become le- le- easy to say less relevant. For example, I- have you heard from George Will in forever? Not really. Bill Crystal is is resi- is sort of uh, designated a corner of Twitter where he yells uh, back and forth with a few people. I mean, is Peggy Noonan sort of sort of uh, setting herself up to be less relevant? I would say not, I, I, because she doesn't write about Trump all that often. There are other issues. I mm-hmm. think she's basically sound on the other issues. <laughs> and and she is a, a, a very attractive personality in a way that some of the people you mentioned are. There's nothing wrong with them. I have Bill Crystal and George Will. I've, I've known them a long time, and my relations with them are good, too. Although I, I, I just it, it's probably better we just avoid each other while the Trump era is going on. But, <laughs> but, the, but, but they're not especially charming people on television. They're very nice guys, but they're not especially charming people on television. And, and Peggy is. And, and, and in her writing, she is, you can see that she's a very nice person as well as a very intelligent person. And so I think she's fine. And, and the, either Trump will come back or he'll fade away. But if he comes back, I, I think she'll, you know, she, in the end, she, she's a patriotic American who salutes the president. If, she's, if Trump is, is reelected fair and square, I think she'll say, well, I, I, you know, I didn't approve of him in his first term, but every incoming president deserves a, 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 you know, a, a following wind mm-hmm. and a fair chance. So let's, let's hope for the best. I, I mean, she's a decent person. I think she would do that. And if he fades away, it becomes a non-issue. He's gone and she talk, write, talks and writes about other things. And well, let me and let me file issues. It's not as if she's crazy. She's yeah. fine. She's fine, fine, except for that. Well, let me ask you on that. Just one last question. Um, if you had, a, you know, you've observed a lot of uh, international, uh, a lot of leaders in, in foreign nations in America, and you've written about a couple of the big ones. Do you think Trump runs again for president? Um, I, I think yes, and the answer in a word is yes. I'll t- uh, but uh, I would say this: if the if the midterm results don't clearly indicate that, that he can deliver a big vote for the Republicans, I think he would not. I think he would then be the leading baron in the party and and move to have the nomination of someone he approves of, like DeSantis, or there'd be a number of them who, who would meet that category. Mm-hmm. 
and, and, and good people, too. I mean, good candidates. Tim Scott, uh, uh, Cruz, uh, Holly, perhaps even right. Cotton. All of those people are good. Right. And, and, uh, but I, my guess is, and my belief is, that it is still his party and that, and that he will show his muscle politically in the, in the midterms. The Republicans will do well in the midterms. And I don't think anyone will enter the race any serious person will enter the race for the Republican nomination until Trump has been heard from. And I think he'll leave it till, you know, well into election year or at least coming up to election year and then say, uh, right. yes, I will run again. Uh, but, mm-hmm. but, and I think if, if he runs as he will be able to do as the party of moderation, the, the moderate, the one who doesn't want to defund the police, doesn't want open borders and, and just wants, you know, centrist, sensible policies. And 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 follows that script. I think I think it will be astounding how many people will come back to him or come to him who were mm-hmm. who were never favorable to him before. Yeah. Because All right, Conrad Black. This, thank this, you. This government has has got a lot of problems. Yeah. All right. We got to run. Lord Conrad Black. His I'll post over at, uh, his piece on uh, uh, Peggy Noonan. Very enlightening. Thank you again, sir. Thank you, Ed. Always a pleasure. All right, we'll take a break, everybody. We'll be right back. It's Ed Martin here on the Pro-America Report, back in a moment. This is the Phyllis Schlafly Report, a daily broadcast from Phyllis Schlafly Eagles. And we're upholding the legacy of Phyllis Schlafly, a constitutional attorney, and articulate voice for traditional values for more than 70 years. Now, here's the president of Phyllis Schlafly Eagles, Ed Martin. Even though Supreme Court Justice Stephen Breyer is a left-leaning Bill Clinton appointee, Democrats are pushing for him to retire. At least on the surface, they say they want to make sure Joe Biden can pick his replacement. However, Breyer is publicly advocating for respect for the rule of law, which is not what leftists want an obedient Supreme Court justice to do. Instead, they want an aggressive progressive who would support court packing to overcome a conservative majority currently on the court. In order to win over Democrat primary voters skeptical of him, Joe Biden promised to pick a black female justice to the Supreme Court to fill the first vacancy. That means Breyer's successor could be California Supreme Court Justice Leandra Kruger or Judge Katanji Brown Jackson, who was just recently confirmed to the U.S. Court of Appeals for the D.C. Circuit. No other president has promised to give someone a government job based on her race, which would usually be considered unlawful discrimination. But there has never been a president who made it to the White House as Biden did and who engages in charades as Biden does. Of the first 24 Biden judicial nominees, not a single one was a white male. It looks to me like Justice Breyer does not measure up to the requirements of the Biden administration. An important lesson to learn from this difficult situation is that left-leaning politicians are more than willing to sacrifice their own to achieve their agenda. And identity politics only fuels this hazardous offshoot of cancel culture. No matter how long Justice Breyer reliably sided with the left on the Supreme Court, they will not let a little thing like loyalty get in the way of their diversity goals. Most conservatives would disagree with Justice Breyer on many things, but we should all decry the horrible treatment he has received at the hands of his former allies. Any of us can be canceled when our gender, skin color, and sexuality become more important than the content of our character. President Biden is wrong to promise a black female Supreme Court pick. Identity politics can only create problems, not solve them. 
This has been the Phyllis Schlafly Report from Phyllis Schlafly Eagles. It's no secret that globalists are bent on destroying Western culture. Whether the threat comes from inside or outside our borders, America must be protected from cultural Marxism and those who would deny American sovereignty. We're seeking your insight at phyllisschlafly.com. That's phyllisschlafly.com. And join us again for the Phyllis Schlafly Report. Welcome back. Welcome back. Ed Martin here on a Pro-America Report. Kind of wrap things up. Uh, two great interviews, by the way, today. Two great, great guys, Ted Malik and uh, Conrad Black, Lord Black. Check them out over at ProAmericaReport.com, ProAmericaReport.com, and um, a lot more over there. In fact, you can sign up for the daily email, the daily wink, which goes out every morning, 7 a.m. Uh, Central Time, 5 a.m. West Coast Time. You're going to want to do that and tune in. All right. Um, so here's another. We've got another. Uh, I want to I teach you what you're seeing ahead of what's happening, okay? So the news, uh, one of the things that the news, the, the political news likes to do is cover who's raising money, right? So if, you, if you're ever a candidate for office, it means a lot because money begets money. But let's say you're running for Congress and you're a challenger. You've got to raise money so people invest in you because a challenger is going to raise money. I mean, uh, an incumbent's going to raise money. So money matters. It does matter. It's not everything, but it matters. But also at the, at the higher level, it really matters for national ambitions. And I've told you before, one of the reasons why people like Josh Hawley and Ted Cruz get in the last six months have been really vilified and focused upon by the media and the left is to try to drive down their ability to raise money. Because you got to raise 30, 40, 50 million dollars to be able to run even in the first couple of primaries for presidency, for the presidency. So, and by the way, it's another reason why uh, Andrew Cuomo has been pushed uh, all the way. You know, they they could have investigated what Cuomo did to in his nursing homes. They could have done that, and they didn't. They let that go, if you recall, just a few weeks ago. But they knew they'd come after him on uh, on all of his, uh, uh, as I've said to you before, all of his bad conduct, which has been known for years. Nobody's surprised. And yet now they're taking him out. Why? Because Kamala Harris doesn't want competition. Gavin Newsom, the other guy that could have uh, maybe uh, beat Kamala Harris, he's getting taken out. Maybe he won't be recalled, but he's not going to succeed well enough that he's going to be strong. Anyway, my point here is money matters. So the story that's now, and the, the political uh, journalists like to cover who raised money. So the story out now is that uh, Tim Scott, senator from South Carolina, has raised a boatload of money. He's up for re-election in 2022. He has said this will be his last term in the U.S. Senate. And he is running for re-election. He used to, I think he served in the House of Representatives for maybe two terms. He was appointed to fill a term, uh, by Nikki Haley. I can't forget right, right now who retired. Was it Jim DeMint? Jim DeMint, I think, retired. And so he got, he appointed to fill that spot. So, uh, so Tim Scott happens to be African American. It doesn't really matter to me, but I think it's certainly in the Republican Party. He's one of the leading African American leaders. Uh, and so he's raised tens of millions of dollars into affiliated PACs and super PACs. And people say, what's that for? And he says, oh, I'm just going to run in my race. And, and it's spending money to help candidates. It's for running for, not president, vice president. Tim Scott is running for vice president. He is not going to be, he, he may run for president for a minute, but he's going to become the guy who people think, wow, wouldn't that be great to have him as a vice president? Because he's not particularly dynamic. He's not particularly the alpha guy. You know, even in South Carolina, Lindsey Graham is kind of the, the bulldog down there in that state. But, but if you have 
tens of millions of dollars coming from big donors and some of the biggest in the world, Americans, of course, you can't get money from foreigners. And that's what he's doing. So Tim Scott, and you're seeing the coverage of it. Oh, wow. And they're really pumping it up. But I can tell you the way it works is you have, in order to be VP, you have to run for president. Okay. You see that? Now, Pence didn't, but that was different because Trump was different. But everybody else did. Kamala ran for president. She gets picked. Biden ran for president. He gets picked. I mean, the the, ge- the general trajectory is you run for president. Dick Cheney, I guess, didn't technically run for president, at least uh, uh, not the nor- normal way. He ran the presidential committee. But that's the plan. And that's what that means. And you're going to see lots of coverage in that direction. So that's just one detail I want to predict for you and let you see that going ahead. Now, don't forget, please visit ProAmericaReport.com, ProAmericaReport.com. Find out more about all these interviews and great segments. Thank you to Noah, our great producer, for keeping us on time and on track. And also Joanna for helping book our guests. We'll be back tomorrow. It's Ed Martin here on the Pro America Report. Talk to you then. This is the Pro America Report on The Answer San Diego.